Hi, I'm Charles Gauthier, President and CEO of the Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association. The DVBA is so proud to support this daily podcast series that is helping our community navigate through these trying times. As we all settle into what we hope is a temporary new normal, please consider helping support our local businesses. Whether it's by getting takeout from your favorite restaurant or giving a local shop a great review, it all adds up. Thanks everyone and stay safe. I'm Tyler Orton. Here are some of the headlines we're following today here at Business in Vancouver. The federal government has landed a deal with domestic firms to have 30,000 medical ventilators produced here in Canada. The order comes as questions over the country's dependence on foreign medical suppliers has intensified in the past week. Victoria's Starfish Medical is among the groups that will be producing the new ventilators. And 94% of technology CEOs say they don't qualify for Ottawa's revised wage subsidy program. That's according to a new survey from the Canadian Council of Innovators. Respondents say the government's test requiring them to show 30% declines annually in revenue is the main barrier. The council is recommending government use other metrics to measure disruptions to business. That's it for today. Now for our interview. Welcome to Coping with COVID-19. It is BIV's daily briefing and interview covering the pandemic, what it means for business and what it means for society. I'm Tyler Orton and joining us today, it is Christopher Vic Hansen. He's CEO of Spare. It's a Vancouver-based startup specializing in transportation in some very unique ways. Christopher, I wanna thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks. So tell us a little bit, because I think what we're seeing right now with public transit is precipitous drops in ridership. This is your specialty, the realm of public transit, like taking it into new worlds right now. But tell us about SPARE's plan to deploy a rapid response strategy with regards to COVID-19. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, as you might be hinting at there, there's been a tremendous shift in really all passenger transportation. I mean, we've all seen kind of airline struggling and all of this, but you know, in all facets of passenger transportation, transportation, we're seeing huge drops of ridership. Based on numbers that we are seeing, we're seeing public transit ridership across the world dropping by, you know, 70 to 80%, in some cases even more. So there's a huge, uh, you know, drop in both ridership, which comes with drop in revenue. So these these uh, transit agencies across the world are really struggling. And one of the things that, you know, while one of the easiest thing to do when 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 you're not seeing ridership is to cut service, right? Just make it uh, just not run these buses, but that is also not really fixing the issue because there's still people needing to get to work, right? There's a lot of people outside, you know, getting to these essential jobs. And if it might be grocery stores or healthcare facilities and all of these things. So, you know, you're still seeing the need of people going around on public transportation. And in response to that, we've seen many places around the world trying to 
introduce more on-demand services in order to cope with that. And that's that's kind of part of what we've been able to to be part of in order to help uh, help uh, our partners and our customers overcome this challenge. Well, and let's sidestep it for just a second because maybe some people aren't super familiar with on-demand services. So tell me yep. a little bit about what this entails. So, I mean, the easiest way to explain it is just like instead of regular buses going on regular routes at regular times, they come when people actually order them. So they come when needed. You know, we've seen taxis and Ubers and Lyft and all of these things incorporate this technology. And we're seeing this big shift also in public transit where where they're using technology like that. And that's that's where uh, companies like Spare come in. And so it's interesting. Essentially, people will be using this for their mobile phones. They're going to be sending this information over to these companies. I'm wondering uh, for a situation like this pandemic, though, there's other additional concerns with regards to the spread and transmission of the coronavirus moving forward. How do you guys kind of navigate making sure that even if there's on demand, there's a great number of people looking for any one location? You're still not making sure that people, you know, gather in large groups at this point. Yeah, I mean, as you're hinting at there, like you know, um, going into a fully packed bus is pretty much the opposite of what people are looking to do and what people should be doing right now. So one of the things that we've been working on with several of our partners is actually limiting, you know, digitally limiting how many people can be on any vehicle at any given time. Um, looking at different ways to actually track people you know if there's any infections that are, that we can track based on back to people that have been on the vehicle that might be something that we can pull data off and really being able to kind of cons- constrain these types of services to to offer the service to people who really, really need it, right? And then maybe not that much more, right? So some of the services that we've been working on has been like specially designed for, for example, uh, transporting healthcare workers or uh, we're looking at some, you know, delivery type services for some special people or, you know, there there's still people that need to go out and, and be part of society, right? Even, you know, people who are elderly, you know, who might be, is particularly affected by this you know they still need to go and have go to their healthcare appointment all of these things and we just want to make sure that happens in the most safe way possible so that's really been a lot of what we've been doing for the past couple of weeks i'm curious is there a case study or a specific example that you can point to right now that is actively using this uh, strategy and you guys are seeing some signs of success yeah, for sure. I mean, we have several of, well, actually most of the our customers and most of our partners are, are looking at this. I can highlight one specific example because we were really quick to get this up and running. It only took us 48 hours to get up and running with this. Oh, wow. It's in uh, Palma in Spain, uh, one of our partners there, uh, the public transit agency of Palma. They uh, were really looking, I mean, as you as you probably seen in the media, Spain is one of the worst hit places in, in this whole pandemic. And it was really important for them to actually get enough healthcare workers to to the healthcare centers in order to actually you know react to what they're seeing so we worked with a public transit agency there in order to quickly launch a service that's really focused in on transporting healthcare workers to the healthcare facility but 
not much more than that, right? So, and then do it in a very controlled and limited way so that we can, you know, pinpoint the exact vehicles. We can make sure that the vehicles are properly cleaned. Uh, we can make sure that, you know, we're not taking many passengers at any given time. Just, just being extra careful about uh, how we're actually facilitating this. Well, obviously, your customers are in different jurisdictions across the globe, which is having different impact. The pandemic is having different impacts there. How much maneuvering do you guys have to do to make sure that you're able to accommodate the different requests that this strategy may require for all your different customers? Yeah, I mean, in in some cases, there are obviously ways we cannot help. You know, we can you know invent things out of thin air, but we're re- working really hard in order to take care of more of those special place, special requests too. Because you know, these days there's there's just all kinds of things that pop up that we almost need to deal with. So we're basically working around the clock. And I think this Palma service was a perfect example where. You know, we, you know, we, for example, we didn't even have a Spanish translation of our service, right? So we worked basically around the clock to make able that being able to be facilitated. You know, we made sure that we could actually track who was in the vehicle better than we have done before. So there are many small and big requests that come up that we, yeah, we just need to deal with on an ongoing basis. So look, uh, we're not certain how long this pandemic is going to last. So there could be a lot of you know broad changes going forward in society. Do you see this as a potential to accelerate some trends when it comes to acceptance of on-demand transit services moving forward? I, I truly believe so. I mean, right now, it's we're obviously seeing a tremendous loss of ridership. But from what we're seeing from trends coming out of China, being that they they saw this pandemic earlier than the rest of the world, we're seeing now that public transit ridership in China is only slight, you know it's it's definitely not going to up to the same level that it was before, and with that, um, these we're just seeing that these transit agencies need to adopt new ways of doing things, and we've seen that many of the uh, many of the places where they have adopted. M- more f- services than just regular fixed route transportation, such as on-demand transit, but it could be other forms too. They have been quicker to adapt to these changes because there's one thing that we can get out of it, and that is that people's travel behavior will change after that, after this. You know, may- more people will potentially be working from home uh, much, much beyond when this is over. Um, you know, you're just going to see new travel behavior uh, happening in the community and 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 these transit agencies just need to be more nimble and more ready to adapt to something like that well one of the other things that i think you can offer some insight into is maybe driver safety in terms of more adoption of driverless vehicles moving forward Uh, that's been a big issue here in vancouver we have you know passengers uh can't even sit near the driver at this point what do you think about the potential for you know transit agencies to further look into the possibilities behind driverless vehicles for sure i mean i i I think that is uh, that is for sure going to happen at some point. You know, we in, in Vancouver we often forget that you know we have one of the most longest running autonomous transportation systems in the world, the SkyTrain station, right, which has been autonomous for the past 30 years. And you know, the adoption of these systems is 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 going to be important regardless of there's a pandemic or not, right? Because you're seeing that you know there's just not enough 
drivers out there in order to cope with the demand that we're seeing in 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 uh, in transportation going forward. I'm also curious, just when you look more broadly at your customer base, um, is there a difference in terms of how people are responding to what they might need from you? Are there some jurisdictions they've been on the ball right away, they know that they need to have some sort of changes? Are there others, just depending on how their communities are reacting to the pandemic, maybe they are in more of a, a wait and see sort of approach yeah, right now? For sure. I mean, Again, for example, looking at somewhere like Palma, Spain, you know, they're facing they're facing things that is for us in Vancouver just unimaginable, right? That's pretty obvious to see, right? So there is a much, much more certain uh, uh, acceptance to adopt, you know, radical moves in some places versus others. But I would say that throughout most of our customer, most of our partner base, we we are seeing that people are really getting, you know, having, seeing the the importance of having tools like this ready to go. Uh, I'll leave this off uh, for this last question as we wrap up here, but uh, a, a lot of businesses, they're trying to weather the storm as best they can. Do you see a lot of potential for Spare to come out even stronger than before? Because as you said, the way that we transport ourselves after this pandemic, it's going to be a very different thing. And maybe a platform that you guys have is able to maneuver that a lot better than some of the more traditional systems. For sure, for sure. Um, I think there's, for us, there's both, you know, challenges and opportunities like any other business. Um, we can definitely see that there's a higher adoption of these, you know, types of on-demand transportation services out there. But at the same time, it's going to be very important that, you know, our 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 partners, our customers are actually around for when this is all over, right? So, you know, just like we want uh, the airlines to still exist after this is all over, I think we as a society also want our public transit systems to exist and come out of this even stronger. So I think that uh, that would also be extremely important to think about going forward. Well, so Christopher, a lot of great stuff that you guys are doing. It's very cool. We've got a Vancouver-based company that is ahead of the curve right now when it comes to all this. And I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you. That is Christopher Vic Hansen. He's the CEO of Spare. And I'm Tyler Orton. That is it for Coping with COVID-19. I want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow.